of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 292. Jason Lingren is with me and back by popular demand is Mr. Benjamin Balderson. We got through just about half of the so-called cell assaults in the first episode, and we asked if folks wanted to hear the rest, and there was a resounding yes. So we are back to cover the remaining six or seven self, I guess six. We're coming in on Libra here, and we started on Aries, so there must be six to do here. It's a lot to get through in two hours, actually. We kind of jammed in the first six last time around. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a very late good afternoon to you. Yeah, we're recording late in the day because I had stuff I had to deal with this morning, but we better jump in and start pushing if we're going to jam it all in here. Let's do it. All right. Welcome, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. This is uh, fantastic information to be getting out. And uh, I think it's something that people can actually grasp and use. So just happy to be doing it. You got to wonder, you know, everything's a vibration. So, you know, I know I get the Highland cell salts and I use them. And I do notice my nails are harder. I use uh, silica, silicea, number 12 in some of the traditions. Some of them are slightly different. But you got to wonder if you were doing your own kind of spagyrics, if you were making your own salts, how much more effective they would be. I mean, have you done this, Ben? Absolutely. And I'm working on uh, an entire series of them. My personal favorite is actually your silicea and uh, trying to get that out. That comes really heavily out of horsetail is the, the plant that has that the most naturally living. And then trying to combine that with then combining that with a natural oil that's going to open that up and make it more bioavailable rather than who knows where these salts are coming from. I'm most likely the most cheaply and easily derived sources. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I used to be big into bamboo. If you take bamboo leaves and did spagyrics to get the salt, I'll bet there would be a lot of silica in there because... You're not supposed to clean up the leaves under bamboo because the leaves digest back into the ground and they put silica into the calms of the bamboo to make them strong. Have you actually tasted silicea you've made yourself? Does it is there like a sweet taste to it or what's it taste like? Not really like too much of anything. You know, and mm-hmm. I just mix it in I, I when I take things, I just mix them in with some water and it doesn't really taste like much of anything. Because huh, when you buy, like, there's another one from Highlands that's supposed to be all 12 mixed together called Bio something. Bioplasma. Um, yeah, Bioplasma. Um, and some of them have almost a little sweet hint, but it's not all of them. But anyhow, we better jump in here. So let's have Jason kick it with Libra. Libra, air, second of the air triplicity. Natrium phos, sodium phosphate. Its ruling planet is Venus, which is material. The scales of Libra will hang obliquely until the horns of the ram are placed under them. The comp de gablis. It's tied to the kidneys, the adrenals, and the bladder. Here we have reached the fall equinox. Libra is Latin for pound. In Egypt, the scales were known as the two truths. At this point, all the vital organs have been produced. Libra represents the seventh day or rest day. The Mount of Venus refers to the pubic bone above the genitals. Venus is named the Morning Star, and ancients associated it with Lucifer. The old name for the kidneys was the reins. Zodiacally, Libra joins Scorpio, and the nerves of the kidney connect directly spermatic plexus. 
The number eight in tarot ties to this and expresses balance. The woman holding the scales is Venus. The stars in the constellation Libra are named Yugam. This means the yoke or balance. In Persian, Libra is a human holding scales in one hand and a lamb in the other. The star above the balance beam is green, tying the color green to the constellation. Libra represents the balance of involution and evolution. Spirit is the finest matter. Matter is the coarsest of spirit. This is the seventh cycle, the seventh day where rest is taken, which is matter moving from its dynamic form to its static form. So we're in that part of the Zodiac that got me ripping the whole Zodiac apart because I could show that it had been changed. Um, the two prominent stars in the constellation of Libra are what got me going when I started looking at it. If I remember, there's Zubinel Shanubi and Zubinel Shamali, which basically, I don't know whether it's Chaldean or forgotten, it's Arabic or Chaldean or something, means the northern and the southern claws. So it cl clearly shows that there was an overlap or a movement between the Scorpion and the Libra. But as everyone who's followed knows, uh, I came to understand why the Zodiac was changed. Apparently, there was 10 constellations. There were three added, or one supposedly turned into three constellations. If I had to guess, the one would be what we call Virgo now, that part of the sky um, divided up into three. But this part of the Zodiac has a lot to do with the things we got to work out in the age we are. And we got into Mons Venus, the pubic mound and all these things. It's exactly what it's about. It's about sex. Sex has to be worked out in our age. I mean, what would you add, Ben? So what's happened up until this point, where the point where it says involution and evolution, is we started out as the perfect germ, this perfect idea. And then this perfect idea that was formed of the cerebrum had to take on an antithesis or the cerebellum, where it now is at war. Now, what we gained out of that, once we added in the mercury, which made the transfer between the two possible, is electromotive force. So this is where that's derived from, is that differential. Now we have the differential built up top and the idea is complete and has power, now we need to give that body so we can actually experience the idea. The engineer has drawn up all the papers, has gathered up the, all the money, has, has all the ideas floating around. Now those ideas need to go and start taking on parts so that way it can start turning into a house. So here's where the scales come in. At the scales, we take all this, all the things that we've been bringing in and we weigh them and we see what we can do. And this is what the scales are going to do. And from here, we're going to actually take on matter and we're going to start making this thing manifest. Okay. So we're going to have to move quickly because we've got another bullet on natrium foss or um, Libra. But to be perfectly clear, one of the aspects of the Zodiac where we are here um, is you'll come to the Virgin, which is Virgo, then you'll come to the Scales, which is Libra, and then the Scorpion. In old gospel things, you will see carved the face of the man, the head of the bull, the head of the lion, and the eagle. And that eagle is Scorpio. And so people should understand that when you look at this part of the Zodiac, the Virgin is the Virgin. That's the idea. And the balance is the balance. That's the idea. Things in balance. So the balance is in between that lowly worm, that old, whatever they call them, old serpent. They call them a lot of old 
bad names. The scorpion is the lower aspect of human sexuality, kind of, or part of it is that when you come into balance with the Libra, then you transmute into the lofty eagle. And so you can see that there was a time back in the day when they were not representing the lowly scorpion. And part of the idea here is in French, an orgasm is still referred to as the little death. And the idea here is like, you know, what scorpion stings itself to death. That's kind of what's being communicated. But it's interesting to see that as old churches and things were built in stone, they were not carving a scorpion back then. They were carving the eagle, which is the elevated status of the scorpion. Go ahead, Jason. Natrium phos is used to neutralize acid. In your body, this also releases water from your tissues. It collects it in the tubes in your kidneys and then passes it to the ureter. Sodium ranks fourth with silver, copper, and gold as a conductor of electricity and heat. This closely ties it with potassium, Aries, and it combines very energetically with moist, non-metallic elements. It is a condensing agent. It is second in power production. Mixed with potassium, it forms a liquid alloy used in high-temperature thermometers and resembling mercury. It's one of the most used gastric sedatives in antacids. It will separate oxygen and hydrogen, burning the hydrogen off, releasing the oxygen. The divine life represented in Caliphas is manifested with natrium phos. Acid in your system results from sodium deficiency and internal fermentation of food. Lack of this salt causes symptoms such as rheumatism, also in your kidneys and bladder, and people who grind their teeth during their sleep. There must be a lot of people. Uh, my dentist was telling me that it's so common. Uh, he could tell just by looking at the teeth that people grind at night, but it's all you, Ben. Go ahead. So now what we have here is we've taken in a lot of things, and those things need to come in through fluid. So when you drink water, when you're drinking like distilled water, which in occasions is very good for you because sometimes you end up getting an over buildup of certain salts, which doesn't allow you to take in other things, but then you need to replace this, the salts that we're getting stripped also. So when you start doing that, you start getting a balance and water is the vehicle for this, but then the water needs to be ejected back out so the salt can be absorbed. So this, this salt is causing that water to eject out. All these pieces are working like cogs in a machine. And this one's pushing that water back out. So now we're getting back down to the more real pieces, the oil and the salt and the things that are truly supposed to be there. Because at the end of any process, the oils and the salts and the sulfur is what was you and the water and the, and the uh, carbon and the cellular material, that belonged to the earth. So you're trying to get back down to that core you and balance that piece. So that's what this salt is doing. It's pushing the water out. It's flushing things out and getting sending them to your kidneys. Your kidneys is then going to take those things and take the toxins out and flush them out of your body, grabbing onto the things that it wants and using that water as instead of a vehicle to bring things in, is now becoming a vehicle to take things out. And you're going to flush those toxins and things that you don't really want out of your system. And now you're bringing yourself back into a balance where if, if you're out of balance, you, your pH becomes more acidic. This is going to lower it 
and bring it back into a more base balance so you're sitting at your neutral where you need to be. Makes you almost wonder back in the day, way back in the day, you went to go see the local doctor, call him an alchemist, where like there are all these little containers of cell salts and all these oils representing souls of different things and these spirits, these alcohols. Uh, almost seems like it probably was so, don't you think, Ben? Absolutely. And understanding, and this is where Crow was getting at with deriving things from more natural sources instead of some of these mainstream sources. We don't fully understand that for some reason, like as an alchemist, if you use the grapes as the, as the extracting agent from a plant, this, the, the spirit of the grape is the strongest and most lively. Why is that? I don't really know. But that is just the way after time immemorial, people have done these trials and it always works out better. So there's things and ways that the plants are interacting and things are interacting with you that we can't really quantify with science yet. Even biblically, what you just said, the spirit of the grape is encoded and mentioned so many times, the blood of the sun. There's just so many ways they say it, but we better keep moving. So Jason, we're going to get into that old arachnid that uh crabby spider scorpio mars is the ruler calcium sulf which is lime sulfate which is plaster of paris powdered stone or gypsum behold i give unto you power to tread serpents and scorpions in over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you luke 10 19. So this is the one that I had confused up with Virgo last time around. This is basically plaster of Paris when we're talking about calcium sulf. Here's one of the uses I know firsthand works. If you take a goodly amount, a palmful, put it into a coffee cup, boil some water, uh, put it in there, stir it up real good and drink it down, you will not be constipated in 30 minutes or less. It's almost immediate. And the way I read that it, what it's doing is it's lining your little tubes inside. And so like I take care of old people, constipation is, is a constant problem. So you're faced with, do I use these go potty teas? And everybody knows when you start using stuff like that, it's slippery slope. Or do I use regular teas and use the calcium, you know, calisol if I did. Um, so I put basically plaster of Paris in regular green tea, and I have not had to use any kind of salt or chemical to break constipation. And what I noticed is once they have enough of it in their system, they're good to go. So you just kind of maintain, um, what do you think, Ben? Absolutely. That's exactly what plaster of Paris is doing is even if you're on your skin, in, use mixing it up like that and using it to coat over a, over a wound and it's on the outside of grapes what this is doing is is creating a, a protective film over things so when we're looking at the scorpion what's happening is is we've now taken this divine germ we've given it a whole lot of body and now we need to protect that divine germ so we need to give that a shell of some sort and this had every place that you could possibly think that you're going to need a shell that's what this is going to be the answer to so if i'm not mistaken i think the kali sulf in the highlands way they do it is number three pretty sure but go ahead jason some of the names associated with the sign are Baal zabub lord of the flies king of the bottomless pit 
Satan of the Hebrews, the gate of hell, the angel of death, the angel of the Sphinx. It was held by ancients to be a bird of bad omen. This is the beginning of the five harsh months of winter and rendering it necessary to keep an internal fire. Scorpio is the eighth sign and allocates with the procreative organs. This ties it to the great nerve ganglia at the base of the spine or sacral. The largest nerve in the body, the sciatic nerve, rises from this. This also branches to the knees. The sting of the scorpion interprets it physiologically as the loss of the built corpuscles. The holidays that correspond to this time period all include death and a stronger connection to the spirit realm. One-tenth of the corpuscles produced will be drawn to the testes. At this time, they will change from a neutered charge to a negative charge. These are now considered animal germs. So make the pun, man. That's great. It starts with an earthquake. You can see what goes on here in our world. So much of the fear porn that you're going to hell, it's tied right to here, isn't it, Ben? These ideas that have scared the living bejesus out of society since the beginning of time, for the most part, are allegorizing the acceptable year of the Lord. And here's where we take the big fall. Um, and you heard all the names given to that scorpion, that old worm, that, I mean, it goes on and on, and they're all negative. And Jason just described exactly why. We're going to hell in a handbasket here for five months. We ain't going to be able to grow anything. Pray to the Lord, we've set enough aside. We're going to have to kill things, survive. That's the older ideas. But nonetheless, here I am in the modern era with a grocery store, and I know darn well that I may go out tomorrow and it'll be below zero. I know darn well that if my car stops by the side of the road and someone doesn't come to help me, I could freeze to death out there. And that is the allegory of all time. And it's important to put these things into context because in the current era in which we exist, this fear permeates. Look what's going on with Covidius minimus. It's a fear that's permeated everywhere, and it doesn't need to be. There's no reason for it. And the allegories of hell and everything else, to a degree, are a similar thing. They were fear porn to, to keep people in line to do a thing or another, which is not to discount that if you live a poorly lived life, there may be repercussions. I'm not suggesting that's not true. Cause and effect, right? Karma. But the ideas of hellfire and everything, they're allegorized right to where we're coming in here. Right, Ben? Absolutely. So what we've got going on here is the, the last line that Jason read, or the last couple at least, they really epitomized what's going on here. That one-tenth of the corpuscles that have been built up are now going to move down into the testes, and they're no longer going to be in circulation with the rest of the system. Now, when they're in there, they're going to change from a neuter charge to a negative charge, which is what gives them this animal aspect. Also, though, and this is a, this especially from my personal uh, cosmology, Billy is also demonized in this way. And in fact, if you look at the word Billy, it spells vile. And this entire thing is demonized. But the thing that Billy gifted to man was man's walking power. And so with this, we also see that the sciatic nerve goes down to the knees and is going down to the legs. And if anybody's ever suffered from sciatica, your legs go numb and you can't walk right. This is your, this is your animal power. This is where you're getting your locomotion from. 
And so this is an extremely important thing. Now, the other aspect of this is, is that these are lost from your system. So uh, analogous in the Christian cosmology is these are the souls that are in purgatory because these souls could be ascending to heaven or they could be ejected out and lost from the system. And these are all sacrificed souls. So if you hold on to them, then naturally your body's going to continue making this, but it's also going to continue reabsorbing this. So anytime you look at these older cosmologies, when you're talking about a, a being that was chained in Hades or hell or something like that, when he starts making his climb from hell toward Godhood, this is what we're talking about is, is the man that, ta that takes and decides to hold on to that and take it and make it ascend rather than taking it and leaving it in its state that it is. And this thing is going to be a hard wrestle at this point because when the thing was just an idea, it was all real nice as an idea. But as most of us have lived through ideas, well, as you start actually getting to the life of it and understanding it, now you're starting to have desires and emotions and experiences that give you feelings about these things. And now it's a different story, isn't it? It's not just this perfect, prim, pristine idea. It's something you've got feelings about because you're experiencing it. So this is the place that we're at. These things are gaining wisdom and power because of it. But do we choose to actually re-enfold that back into the system and make use to that? Or do we choose to succumb to our base urges, which are needed, but if we succumb to them and let them become the control, which is the wrestling the bull, because now this thing has manifest, this is where material and spirit meet. The thing has manifest. Now you've got to wrestle with this idea and it's got feelings. You've got to deal with it. Now you've got to try and make it perfect. And so this is where now we've got to, now that we've experienced the recipe, we tried this recipe, we're experiencing it. Now we're going to bring it back up the other way, back up into perfection. So we're going to have to start burning some of these things off. This is part of why all the gods of these five months are going to be represented by red or hellfire, because now that we've got this, this thing built up, we've got to burn it back down to that perfect seed. So we're in the period of evolution. We've collected all the grain and now we need to get rid of the chaff. And here's where we go. There's so much written about this. The Christian mystics would have equated one of the meanings of the Leviathan uh, with the sexual urge that we're referencing here. But for those who bought the book, Zodiac and the Salts of Salvation, there's a foldout that equates the human form with the Zodiac. These are good things to know. And how can I give an example? Oh, I know how I give an example. <clears throat> You can email me or Rose. I've got a clip up on YouTube where I broke down that old John Travolta film, Michael, the archangel, Michael. He's not an angel. He's an angle of the sun. And what he's actually going to do is play the sun in the 12 stations of the acceptable year of the Lord. When he gets to where we are here, everyone orders pie, hint, 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 uh, and has sex. When you notice the Zodiac fold out, you will notice that this portion of the Zodiac it lines up with the genitals, male or female. There's so much to all of this, and um, it's really good things to know. And by the way, I read a study, I don't know, it must have been six months ago, and I've wondered 
mightily if it's true. The claim was that people born under the sign of Scorpio tend to have bigger problems with sex addiction. And my first thought was, well, great. Is that tropical or is that sidereal? You know, how are you, how are you identifying Zodiac? But then I wondered, knowing what I know about this sign and what we're covering here, I wondered if it was true, but go ahead, Jason. I'm actually a Scorpio and I have six kids and six grandkids. <laughs> oh, there and it is. <laughs> I, I would not call it an addiction, but I definitely had a lot of problems uh, with women when I was younger. And then I spent years as a hermit and had to get myself completely under control before I found myself in the beautiful place that I am now. Thomas Vaughn states that the seed that the body creates must be used to feed and therefore recreate the body which forms it. The scorpion that releases its poison is the angel of death, but transformation of that fluid brings about the white eagle. The return to corpuscles bring renewed life. All right, this is what we've been talking about, to be perfectly clear. And I guess Ben will have to address the the feminine side of this because I don't have experience with that. And I've thought about it a lot of times. I know we're directly talking about the seed of a man or sperm spilling the seed and the idea that you've got to retain that. It's also in the Bible is the story, and this is the female point of view of the virgins with the lamps, right? Some have enough oil, some don't. This is what's being allegorized or one of the levels of knowing that's being allegorized. And so the idea here is, is if you spill all your seed, you got nothing left to go up back towards the, the crown, the Christos, the higher human being. What would you add? And by the way, do you feel like the spilling of the seed is appropriately laid at the doorstep of women or is this appropriate laid solely at the doorstep of men? And I would have to, I mean, I know there's a female connection. I'm just not sure what it is, or they wouldn't allegorize it in the Bible as the virgins with their lamps and oil. So the, the female, the ovum also descends the same as the male testes when it comes time for the, for these type of things, where it really gets tricky in that is that the female then menstruates and flushes all of this material out. So there's not any reabsorption of the material. But then on the flip side, if instead of doing that, copulation does happen and, and insemination does happen, uh, a few other things that we can really oddly look at also happen. A, her basic DNA changes and she accepts these fluids and starts cha- and actually changes herself. So is at that point, is this where the absorption happens for her and the reabsorption? So another thing you have to look at, and I'm not stating this as, as a matter of fact, just if you look at things historically, your prophets or your people that ascended and rose historically were always men. But then also the woman always, like in the story of Christ, where Mary Magdalene was went into his cave and there's also stories where she sang him back to life. So the feminine opens up the masculine is the way things work. And so it, that's a real weird, tricky subject. And yeah, it's, it's one that would take a whole lot of debate with some real higher minds who aren't going to get tripped up on the masculine and feminine with that one. What I was getting at is it's clearly the spilling of a seed or self-gratification from a man's point of view or basically masturbation is spilling the seed and wasting it. Um, if that becomes habitual, you're never storing any seed by. 
So I guess I've tried to reason it out from the women's point of view of self-gratification, and I don't think it's the same thing. But what I can add is all my years of studying Tibetan traditions and Indian traditions uh, and the tantric methods where they're going for enlightenment in a single lifetime, it requires a female and a male, and they have to be at the same level. And they do engage in sex, but not not to orgasm. Uh, instead, all the fluids that we're talking about here are rechanneled up the Christos from the biblical idea, that oil, and that's what is used to push towards enlightenment. But there does seem to be a, distinct, a distinction from male to female about spilling the seed. I mean, do you agree, Ben? Absolutely. Because it, it, it would seem like because the female is always, the feminine is always opens up the masculine is the way things work in nature. And when a woman starts, like if, if I'm out working in the field, unlike a lot of, because I think today is a weird exception because of all the perversion of having pornography and this extreme drive toward the spilling the seed a hundred years ago, when you were not subjected to that in any way, you're out working in the field, you're not spending all day thinking about these things. So that part of your body's not active. And then as soon as you get around a woman and you start, oh, especially when you, when you've been out in the field all day, like say you've been working all month and then you get around your wife and she's, and she's all nice and clean and done up and you just walk by her and you smell her. And just immediately, it's almost like a cat. You're just like, Ugh. like and immediately you can feel things just juicing up. Like when you see a, when you're a teenager and those parts of you are the most active, all of a sudden you're standing with your best friend and a pretty girl walks by and you just punch your best friend in the head for no apparent reason, none. And then stand there and flex like, yeah, mm -hmm." this is the allegory of the Leviathan being allegorized as the overwhelming power that just dominates uh, who's ever experiencing the animal urge. And it's being pointed out that you have to get back in control, which is what you're pointing out uh, and why it's, you know, Leviathan sounds like a monster, right? Well, from the hermetic point of view or the Christian mystic point of view, it is a monster. It's an overwhelming monster that very few people know how to tame, but we better keep pushing guys. Well, the thing is, is if you have tamed it though, if you are that dude and you're the beast like that, well, now what kind of power do you have? You've got a Leviathan with you. So now you went from being this very weak being to having Leviathan power plus being in control of it. Now this is where we're talking about the Godhood Ascension, the Aquarian man. This is what we're leading up to. Well, how many movies have we seen where like the baseball guy who's the best hitter, uh, the other side undermines him by getting a beautiful woman to hook up with him, right? so that he spills his seed and he's weaker and his attention is less and he's not going to hit the ball as well. How many times have you heard about the heavyweight bout? You're not allowed to be around women for a week or two before a heavyweight bout. This is the reason. It's just that people never really think other than this is a movie for entertainment, what's being said. This is exactly what's being said. As a matter of fact, people may have noticed if you've had sex the night before that you've got to speak the next day, you'll find you stammer and stutter a lot more if you do. If you do not, you'll find that your mind and your abilities are clearer to put cogent ideas together. It's something we all miss a lot. I remember when it finally dawned on me, and I didn't believe it at first. I believe it now. But anyhow, go ahead, Jason. 
Richard Hinckley Allen states that the fires of Scorpio caused the disastrous runaway of Phaeton Apollo. So this, if I'm not mistaken, is the story of the young guy who wants to ride Apollo's chariot. Um, Apollo says, no, you can't control it. He says, yes, I can. He forget how he coerces his way into the chariot and he loses control and ends up burning a third of the earth or something. People can go back and look at the story for Theton Apollo. Anything you want to add here? Or can we push through? So this is part of where the scorpion's claw reaches out and grabs that balance beam and sets things off balance. And the phrase that this started out with was that the, that the um, balance beams will always be off kilter or will sit obliquely, I believe was the exact phrasing, until it's under the horns of the ram. So we're still oblique right now. And that's because this, this emotion, this strong urge has grabbed a hold of you and you have not learned how to control it yet as a teenager we all remember how horrible those emotions were how every day the world was going to crumble how our life was going to end uh teenage angst and then a girl like I say, a girl walks by you turn into a pit bull you're just ready to just rampage and you have no control of yourself so now we need to we need to chain that get control of that if we want to be a higher being instead of just an animal in some of the tellings of phaeton apollo that old myth i believe they even incorporate the scorpion and the bull uh, but i don't remember but people can look that up to read it uh lastly this next point would be a good reason why you should have a general overview of at least the brightest stars in the sky and Teres, or the one who is opposed to aries uh is a very brilliant orange star called the heart of the scorpion these are things you should be able to glance at the sky and identify. Now, what we have is, is we spent those first three signs building up an EMF force, setting up a, 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 setting up a cathode and an anode, and then mercury, which is the salt bridge, act, or the bridge acting, making it so the transfer can happen between the two. Now, we have a pole up here we've come down to the sacral area and we've set ourselves up another pole. So now as an overall macroverse, we have the pole of the head and we have the pole of the head down here. And we have the same thing of a cathode and an anode. And we understand that the Milky Way is now going to become the Mercury of the macroverse. People can look up the word sacral. It's basically, a, you know, in opposition to the, the crown idea at the top of the head. It would be basically the groin area. Just look up sacrum. Go ahead, Jason. Antares is the star heart of the scorpion. Ant means against or in opposition to. Aries, which is Roman for Mars, or the sign Aries. While in Aries, Mars is building up and the energy is used creatively. As Scorpio... The energy is used to tear down and destroy. Here, the energy turns negative and the animal becomes chained to earth. So in our time, there's almost no concern or thought or recognition of what the scorpion is when tamed and brought into balance with the Libra. That is the lofty eagle idea, which was carved into those beautiful monuments of glass and stone uh, that we call cathedrals. You will see the four Gospels encoded, and those four Gospels are four stars, and they are four zodiacal signs, just so you know. Uh, there will be Aquarius, there will be Taurus, there will be Leo the Lion, 
and then the scorpion, which is represented in its higher form, the eagle. These are important things to realize because I don't know where you're thinking, Ben, but it's almost like the crossover to the idea of the higher eagle is is found in none of this where we are right now. Absolutely not. We've went the, it's uh, almost like the world in general is a teenager that just learned he has free access to porn and just dove right into it as an entire society. Everything we're about is tactile, uh, sensational feeling and uh, raw emotion. There's no uh, attempt to put intelligence behind the emotion, which is what that wrestling the bull is supposed to be. You aren't supposed to kill the bull. You're not supposed to slay the Leviathan. You're supposed to tame it. So that way you maintain the animal power, but you give it an intelligence. Now you've got the power and, the, and a, a true direction. And you're going to accomplish things now. Now you're really doing something. And there's no attempt to do that. We sunk down to the negative aspect of the power and are just completely uh, engorging ourselves with it. We're, we're gluttons, like a, a drinker in the, in the weekend that just goes in and binge drinks and we just don't stop. But we will. You know, you hit rock bottom at some point. Um, but the next one starts to get into some important ideas. People should always understand that gold is associated with the sun. Uh, both of those ideas are purity on the highest. Think of it this way. I could take a piece of gold. I could go on top of a mountain somewhere and drop it. And 80,000 years from now, go look at that piece of gold and it would still pretty much look like a piece of gold. That can be said of no other metal. If I did that with silver, it would look different. If I did it with iron or steel or copper or any other metal. It would look different as time went on, but gold is the idea of purity. And always remember that gold pairs with the sun and, of course, silver, the moon. In some old alchemical texts, they claim that as you morph your base metal back to gold, it has to go through silver, but some places don't. Well, and that is because all metals are derived from gold and it's just in a different state, just like what we're talking about right now where the, the fluid started out as the gold seed, as it moved down, this is where the, the saying that the, the fruit was in the seed. So understand that, that all we're doing is sending this through a multiplication. So the same exact seed should be exist however many times or inside said like an apple. You started out with one apple seed. Now you have 50 apple seeds that were that one apple seed. Alchemists held Scorpio in high regard, for only when the sun is in this sign could iron be transmuted to gold. Iron is allocated to Mars. I don't know how you view it, Ben, but um, it's so encoded, and you know if you're not initiated, you can only do the best you can do. Um, and again, some of the claims are as gold goes down, it goes through silver first, but here it almost sounds like you're going straight from iron to gold. I don't know how you view the process as it's been described or encoded in so many texts. That, that would have to be a very long conversation all on its own that we'd have to have. But what they're talking about is, yes, it will go to a white or a silver as you're making a transmutation. And then the idea is, is then it gets a seed of gold. Everything has this seed. And this only applies to the, uh, when you're working with metals, some metals still have life in them and some metals are dead metals. 
So then you've got to transfer things. The sulfur's got to be transferred out of these life, live metals then to these dead metals. And then depending on what you're working with, like it gets real tricky because like lead, part of what makes lead so very important is, is it's the easiest metal to extract the spirit from or the mercury from, which makes the transition of the sulfur and the metal salts into each other. But it's when you get down to that metal salt now you're at a silver and now you got to put that mercury in it and make that transition of the sulfur where now the sulfur through the mercury can imbue itself into the salt of the metal. And now it will turn gold from that seed of sulfur. In Scorpio, Mars is allocated to the tail while the claws relate to the yoke. Richard Hinckley Allen states, although nominally in the Zodiac, the sun actually only occupies nine days in passing through the two portions that project upward into Ophiuchus and so far south of the ecliptic it is. Antares was called Lord of the Seed by ancient Euphrates, the last star the Euphrates called Kakshisa, the creator of prosperity. The same star is also referred to as the crown and the two stars to the sides, Caput, Galen Aginis, or the head of the woodcock or the two releasers. These tie to the two ejaculatory glands and have legends similar to Castor and Pollux. Pollux was a common term for genitals, and castrate derives from the same root as castor. The olden culture to Mars was situated in Campus Martinus. Their sacred festivals took place in March and October, the beginning and ending of a campaign. Scorpio is the eighth circle of life in which the desired nature is predominant. The symbol of the lower aspect of the emotional nature as seen in sculptures of Mithras slaying the bull, it signifies emotions are active through contact with matter. So what we have here and what we're noticing in all ways is that we've set up a cathode anode situation. We have Aries as the positive and now we have set up a negative, but through that we have gained EMF once again over an overall body. And now what we choose to do with that electromotive force is what's going to make us great men. And that's where we need to move on to these higher aspects. So another good thing to do here is go read quickly a, a decent version of the myth of Castor and Pollux and reframe your mind to understand the levels of meaning and how many things took the name from these supposed, well, one's a god, one is not. Even has to do with boxing, castration, other things. Go ahead, Jason. Dr. Carey allocates... Calcium sulf or plaster of Paris with Scorpio. Plaster of Paris naturally is used in eggshells and skin, such as on a grape. Calcium sulf is used as a dressing for soil and to make casts or stiff bandages. Hydrous sulfate of lime is soft and easily scratched, but very little affected by acid. This is the most important fact when considering its use in the body. It coats all vascular surfaces and anywhere that must be protected from contact with fluids, such as your stomach lining. Ancient burial rites, the casket was made out of alabaster, a fine form of gypsum, and was thought to decompose with the body. Some of the symptoms of deficiency of the salt are pus or yellow separations. Also, apparently, constipation uh, is quite frequent in the modern age, and it has, you know, as I said earlier, boiling this in water and drinking it, it's pretty immediate, um, the result. Go ahead, Ben. Absolutely. So what Crow is talking about is absolutely correct. Any surface that's going to be a mucous membrane 
Membrane is going to be the key word here. Now with pus, what we're talking about is, is that the, the cell wall integrity was lost. So now the whole thing just kind of turns into a mush, kind of like if you take an egg and crack it open instead of now having a, a, a perfect little cell. Now the whole thing just turns into a kind of general yellow gooshy pile. Well, that's what pus is representing. So the shell has been cracked is the idea here. And that membrane has now been erupted. So now everywhere in your body, you're thinking of that membrane. And while we're talking about all of this, it's always going to be where everything we're talking about is fluid. So that membrane is needed and extremely important. All right. Now we're going to jump over into my neck of the woods, Sagittarius and tropical uh, on the cusp and sidereal with Ophiuchus. Sagittarius is going to be silica and in the highland salts, uh, that's usually represented as number 12. So, of course, basically in the Highlands ideas, it's almost one-to-one with the months. But um, as you'll see in the forum, people have found other other places that shuffle a couple of them around in the higher numbers. Go ahead, Jason. Sagittarius. Jupiter is its ruler. It is a fire sign tied to silica or basic quartz. And I saw, behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Revelation 6.2. Higher mind, hips, and eyes. It is also concerned with the formation of the first blood vessels. This sign ties to 10 and expresses incessant equilibrium, willpower, and supremacy. Its symbol is a centaur, the top half a man, the bottom a horse. He holds the bow and points the arrow upward. Jupiter, ruler of Sagittarius, his power was to draw all the other gods to him. This is analogous to the higher mind. This is Osiris of the Egyptians. Here we find the tree of life as opposed to the tree of good and evil. When Jupiter is positive, it is the giver of good things, and in negative, it is associated with wastefulness. The sagittal stone in an arch is called the keystone. It is located at the center of the crown. This is analogous to the completion of the four brain centers. Adrastia and Ida, the nymphs who nursed baby Jupiter, are analogous to the pituitary and pineal, which furnish fluid both positive and negative, electric and magnetic. The fluid and corpuscles in the prostate provide the material for the forebrain. A study of Gray's anatomy furnishes proof these are the last ones to develop and the first ones to degrade. Phrenology states that the development of the forebrain indicates whether the person is a genius, mediocre, or a moron. The suture between the parietal bones of the skull constitute the sagittal part of the head. Metaphorically interpreted, sagittal means a thing having an analogous part or function, a part or force on which associated things depend for support. The arrow of Sagittarius points directly at Antares of Scorpio showing the higher man moving back in accordance with Aries. Sagittarius being the only sign holding a weapon, um, and of course we still have that sex idea, right? The the upper part is a man, the lower part is still an animal, a horse to be specific, so you can understand what's being allegorized there. Um, and in fact, the arrow in the sky is pointing towards the scorpion. If you read the Zodiac and the Salts of Salvation, if I remember correctly, it's been a number of years, but they, I think they describe uh, silica or silicea in the older term uh, as almost like little scalpels 
So say you had bad parts on your skin or pimples and stuff, and you took that, uh, one of the effects would be to release all the toxins, like little scalpels, cutting out all the blockages that are preventing the, the things from getting out of you. Inversely, uh, it will strengthen your hair. I know this firsthand. And it will strengthen your nails uh, firsthand. And um, the, real, the real catch in all this is how do you determine what your sign actually is? Um, but nonetheless, if you have weak nails, and I don't know how Ben feels about this, I would suggest trying some silica, regardless of your sign. But Ben has gotten further into this, and he'll tell you that it's not just the one you need, but probably the one that's in opposition as well. Absolutely, because these things are working in a balance, and if you overdo one of them, and just like in a plant, a plant will get nutrient lock. If you put in too much of one salt and too little of the other like take your macronutrients you've got your nitrogen potassium and phosphorus if you start putting in too many of one thing it'll make it so nothing else can even be absorbed or sometimes in a, in and of itself it won't be absorbed in the plant it's no longer bioavailable for, to the plant this is where the distilled water came in uh, the silica is one of my favorite cell salts it, just for the reason that crow just mentioned is that it helps break things up. So in today's world, we have an extreme problem with uh, toxic metals in our bodies. And the answer to that is going to be silica. A lot of people like to take uh, diatomaceous earth for this. As I said, I'm working on a tincture for all the cell salts. And the one that I'm using for the silica is your horsetail, where you derive the most natural silica from. But what that's going to do is it's going to chelate these things that were bound up and two binded together for you to process out of your system, they're going to dig into that and push that out of your system. Silica allocates with Sagittarius. Silica is naturally found in quartz or flint. In inorganic chemistry, it stiffens the stems of grains. A deficiency of silica in the connective tissue between the cerebrum and the cerebellum causes severe difficulty thinking. Silica also acts as a shovel in the body, digging into the cells with waste matter and pushes it to the surface. Symptoms of lack of silica increase at night and during the full moon. Silica is considered the heavenly dew over the brain. Think about what was said in the last little bit there. If this is provably true, how important is the sky clock? And this is basically, we've come to a place where if any of this is true, we are a complete society living in the dark. We're blind. We're basically all hugging on a log that's headed down a river with no idea when the rapids are coming. If we reverse this trend and became more familiar with the actual clock of this world called the sky clock and began to understand what a full moon means, began to understand what different things mean in the sky clock, then we become less blind and then we begin to be in the river holding on to the log but able to comprehend that the rapids are coming and maybe even able to steer away. But before I hand it over to Ben to close out on silica, I'll add this. How can you ever again read a myth, or for that matter, a scripture from the Bible, and not understand that there is a biological story, not only the sky clock, not only the surface narrative, not only the parable that's being taught you, there is a biological correspondence being told you, because it has to be told because this is what it requires to become a higher human being, the idea of this oil, the idea of this Christos. So the next time 
you read a biblical scripture, you can bet your bottom dollar that there is a Greek myth telling the same tale in a slightly different way. And as a matter of fact, that same tale and myth may also incorporate the sky clock ideas. It's incredible. But what it begins to tell us all is that there were these things that mattered above all other things, and the sky clock is inseparable from what I just said. Now, back in the day, there were a hell of a lot more human minds, I would imagine, reaching for the pie in the sky, going for the gold ring than there currently are. We've taken quite a fall, but Ben, you want to wrap up and we can uh, tie up our one here. So with the Greek, I like that, that their analogy the best. They used rather than the centaur, they used man gaining the Pegasus. And with the centaur, you have, we're a complete animal in Scorpio. That man is now chosen to become higher. So he's working his way there. You're still half an animal. Now, then in the Greek analogy, the Pegasus kicks off and starts flying to take to take man and ascend, and he's still merged with Pegasus. Now, the, the stone that the Pegasus kicks off from is flint, which is your cilicia or your quartz. Anybody that's dealt with quartz or flint knows that that's highly energetic if you strike it. You take quartz and you slam two pieces together, you get piezoelectric energy. This is, gonna, this is your spark, your kickoff. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you enjoyed this, this book was supplied to me by a, an awesome gentleman named Jared. His YouTube channel is Girder, G3RD3R. Please go and like him and support him. And this has just been awesome. The other thing I'll mention before I wrap it up here for hour one is, do you recall back when we had um, some of the people teaching us how to take apart language and scripture and other things? Do you remember when I tested Dylan I said, Dylan, tell me what sign of the Zodiac we're in. And I took the scripture uh, and there I saw Philip gathering the, the last fruits or the final fruits of the season. And Dylan took half a breath and he said, you are in the sign of Sagittarius. How did he do it? Well, he did it in all the ways we've been busy breaking down. Um, understanding your old Greek myths, understanding something of self salts, understanding the sky clock, understanding that they all tie together. But in the case that I just mentioned, because Philip, the name means lover of a horse. And when is it that you pick up the last fruits? Well, the harvest is over, right? You've already harvested. There's a few more fruits left on the ground. So what part of the year must you be in? And it goes on and on and on. And so we have all continually showed up at Sunday school while the man in black assured us that Philip was picking up some fruit and there was no more to the tale. And I'm here to tell you, not only is there more to the tale, that tale has been told since the beginning of time in one way, shape, or form. But that does bring our one of episode 192 to a close. We hope you'll join us on the other side at crow777radio.com. That's C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers. <laughs>